0: Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. All right. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you are here today and those
1: online. I, I appreciate you um, tuning in, so to speak. Um, and if, uh, if your heart leads you, you can always donate at livingmessiah.com. And we thank you for any small contribution that goes to what we do here. And we, we thank you for that. So let me open in prayer here. Father Yehoah, we give you great thanks. Father, we thank you for another wonderful Shabbat, a day that we can come together to have the freedom to come together here and to learn from you, to grow closer to you, to learn from each other. Father, we thank you for your love, your mercy, and we thank you for the redemption that we see in the blood of your son Yahshua who's bringing us not only redemption, but yet bringing us closer to you and your words, your Torah, your teachings, and your instructions in our lives. We thank you for the empowerment of your spirit, Father, for that. And we, th- we just thank you for your love and your faithfulness. Amen. So first... Um, um we will have the mic as usual and all you have to do is raise your hand and it will find it's paul will find his way to you and we just have the again the rough guideline on that try to be brief and on the point of what we're talking about okay that's very important and the other thing is let's not get ahead of the text let's all learn together at the same place as we're going through okay um, there's one thing I did want to address, uh, Jill, she's not here today. Uh, so I'll talk to her even in person, but I did want to mention she had said something last week, and we it, there was a miscommunication, and I did want to apologize. I misunderstood I was thinking one thing, and she was saying something else. And I guess really to clarify it, um, the author, the uh, author of John, I see he's really not known, um, but yet she was talking about, I think, one of the Sons of Thunder, was uh, possibly with the author of, which is very well could be the very case. But then I started thinking about something else in my mind and I, I had to, my wife made me go back and watch the video and it seemed like I gave the impression that I thought I was putting forward John the Baptist was the one who wrote the book of John. And obviously that couldn't be the case, if we know the history of John the Baptist, so I did want to clear that part up. Okay, so uh, so let's go where we left off real quickly. Uh, obviously, we are in the Book of John, um, um, and we're where we are going through. I had this verse because of the things that were being mentioned, that how John's bringing forth some of these ideas, um, and it was Isaiah forty-five five. I just, I'll focus real quickly on on this one section here, like in verse 6. It says, I am Yahweh, and there is no one else, forming light, creating darkness, making peace, and creating evil. So we left off with the idea here is, is for us to continue with this thought process. It's the very identity. It's the very character and nature of our Creator who He sets the standards. So if His standard is saying this is good and that is bad, then he ultimately has created what is wrong and what is evil, okay? And it's not to be understood that he makes people evil or he makes uh, uh, things that way. He's the one who sets the plumb line. So, you know, it's up, then it's up to you whether what side you are going to be on, and we see that, I, that principle, ultimately, because it's in Isaiah. We saw it in the beginning of Genesis. We saw it in the book of the, let's say, the first book of the Torah and the first book of Moses. And we see it here, this same idea here in the prophets. And I'll probably say this plenty of times here. It's not going to change with the advent of Messiah. Okay? So, but the other part, let me see what I have here. So he set the standards. And um, so, so Yeshua wouldn't be changing those standards that, that we are seeing, that we have looked at, I think, very clearly, are not going to change. Okay? So he, Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus, isn't going to change anything. Okay? He's going to go along with what his father set down. So, the one part, where was it? Up there in verse uh, 45.5. I wanted to focus on this too because this brings us right back into the text where we're at in John. And it says this, I am Yahuwah, there is no one else. There is no other Elohim besides me. Um, I gird you, though you have not known me. Okay? You didn't know me. You did not know me. And what I want to point out, as we'll see here in John, that's nothing new. Okay? That's nothing new. Okay? So we'll continue in uh, John 1.10. And he was in the the world, and the world came to be through him, and the world did not know him. Now, remember, I do want to... I do want to push the idea as much as possible, the, the Hebrew mindset, the much as we can understand that, the cultural and how the biblical authors who wrote this, how they thought what was in their mind, not our new way of thinking that we have that's maybe foreign. Um, and I'm not saying that we're going to all get it right, but I think we can touch upon some of that to some extent in, at least for me, let me speak for myself, um and in my research is what i have available with my time and everything as much as possible try to get to that uh, mindset that they how they would understand it okay and that that will make more sense maybe here as we go through so he was in the world and they did not know him okay and this is talking about because what we saw right before all this the word the light and we saw that whole concept is being built out here so So in some ways, another way is they did not know the word of God. Okay? He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the authority to become children of Elohim. Children of God. To those believing, trusting, doing in his name. In his character of who he is. Who were born not of blood, nor of the desire of flesh, or of the desire of man, but of Elohim, but of, uh, of God himself. And the word, see, it's bringing it right back to the idea. The word was in the world in the beginning. The word became flesh and pitched his tent among us, and we saw his glory, his esteem. Esteem, the glory as of and only brought forth of the Father, complete in favor and truth. One thing real quick, where's this Father coming in? And we'll take a look at that. All of a sudden, there's a Father coming in here. Again, we have to go back to the mindset of the, the authors. Who would they be intending? Would it be Joseph, who birthed Yeshua? Jesus? Or is there something much deeper here? So, so let's look at this. This whole idea, they did not know him. Okay? He came into the world. The world itself did not know him. And like I said, we saw in Isaiah, that wasn't a new idea. There was a not knowing him. So it must you have got what, out. What's that mean to know? So the world, his own, and his people who he, he cut a covenant with. Okay? I'm adding that because... The world didn't know Him. We saw that. And we, we saw that in the past in the Scriptures, in the Tanakh. There was a not knowing Him. And we saw definitely to not know Him was really not doing His commandments because ultimately if you're not doing His commandments and His teachings, how are you going to, to know Him? You might know of Him, right? And I think there's a big difference, wouldn't you agree? Knowing of somebody, but not intimately knowing who that person is. So that comes back again to his character and his name. So he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Now, I think it's interesting. Uh, A lot of people say, yeah, he came to the Jewish people, and the Jewish people rejected him. That might be a little bit of the case, but that's not the whole context of what's going on here. It has nothing to do but just the Jews did not know him. He came to his own. He came to humanity, and we see this in the past, and humanity didn't bother to get to know him, okay, from the very beginning. So don't all of a sudden take this little idea, and all of a sudden you can run with it. all the we got Jesus, and we know all about him, but the Jews don't. That's not what it's saying. Because ultimately, you might have Jesus, but if you don't know his Torah and his directions, you don't know him either, okay? So it still comes back to, to know our Father in heaven. Then we really must follow his commandments, and we must do them, okay? That's part of knowing someone intimately, okay? And that's the concept of knowing in Scripture, They didn't know him back in Isaiah because they were disobedient. So it's not going to change now any different. If you're disobedient to upholding and doing the commandments, uh, you know, any of them, all right? If you live a lifestyle that says we don't need to do them any longer, then you're living a lifestyle of not knowing the Creator. No different in Isaiah, no different in here what... um, uh, what John is pointing out. Now, he might be going a little bit further because the, all the prophecies, and we'll see later on in John how this plays off, to those who were there at the time of when Messiah showed up, okay? But it's not exclusively to those people either, okay? It's in a much bigger picture here. Then it goes on to say, how about this? Hey, um, but as many, so that means there were some, Okay? But as many, many, many received him, to them he gave authority to become what? Children of Elohim. To those who? Trusting and doing in the great name and the character of who? Of the Father. So how did they get authority? Did they get the authority because the Holy Spirit fell on them? They said a certain prayer, and all of a sudden they got authority, and they can go run around and do whatever you want. My suggestion would be: go ahead, Joe. Joe, real quick. Where's? The, and the question is: Where'd the authority
2: come from? Where's? What is the authority? The authority is God's word. It says to those believing, believing in His name. One thing is important to believe in. Yeshua, but it's another thing to believe in God, the Father.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I will take some of that, but then it still comes back to what is believing. Is it just because you think? Because you think something? Because many people can believe many things, and they have no authority whatsoever. Many people think that they're a president or the owner of the company, and they have no company, and they have no authority of anything. So where does the authority come from? Ultimately, yes, you said God, but why did they inherit the same authority as our Creator has?
3: By obedience.
1: That is the perfect answer. It is obedience. Obedience to the commandments. And you ask John, I'm sure (laughs) he would be normally jumping all over. Your authority comes when you walk in the commandments. And when you do those commandments, that's where you get authority to overcome anything in your life. That's where you get the authority later on to have life and life everlasting. So you see, there comes one of the key things. So how can you have authority if you throw away his commandments? You have no authority. That's maybe why... Maybe for us, we not always, when we're looking at what we're doing in our lives. I I know I tend to look when I have certain struggles. I go back, okay, am I doing something incorrectly before my father? Do I need to clean up something? And it's not always. Sometimes it's just the frustrations and the things coming in on the world because they're walking in their own authority, okay? But we have to really analyze that all the time as we walk,
2: okay? I think it's a hard choice. Uh, because uh, to believe is from the heart, and if you don't have it from the heart, it's, uh, it's not belief. So it's a, uh, it's a decisive decision through God's Word that with the heart we accept and believe. Mm-hmm.
1: And in that heart, and again, like I was saying, it, it takes obedience Because to have the heart of the Most High, to know the Most High, to know the heart of the Most High, the only way you're going to get to know Him is by doing what He does or what He asks of you or how He asks to train you up
0: and discipline you. Mark. To back up what you're saying, Matthew 9, 6 says, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, He says to the paralytic, get up, pick up your bed, and go home. Because the paralytic obeyed his words, mm-hmm. it showed that he had authority. And then one other thing I wanted to point out is Isaiah thirty thirty says, And the Lord will cause his voice of authority to be heard. Awesome.
1: Thank you, Mark. So it's to, to those trusting in his character and his name. So to trust the Shema, to do and act in those things, there comes the authority, okay? And that's the hard part. That really is, guys, isn't it? To walk in that and to have authority, to stand and trust. Maybe not today, but maybe continue be obedient. Those things, will, it will get better, right? You know? Uh, Polly.
4: I want to just add to what you just said. It's not only trusting in a name just for sake of the name, but it's Mm -hmm. trusting in what that name represents on what that person behind that name did for us in reconciling us back to God that gives us right or anything or any kind of relationship with God. And it's trusting or acknowledging what that name, the person... Holding that name did for us.
1: Yes. Now that's awesome. Thank you, Polly. So there's another thing here. Uh, let me see. How do I? How did I word this? Okay. So we see this author. Oh, Paul, I'll let you go ahead. I'm sorry.
5: Um, there's a scripture in James second chapter that says, "You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder." But are you willing to recognize, you foolish man, that faith without works is useless? So you can have a, how do I say, a belief that doesn't function. It's a mental assent. Mm -hmm. It's mentally, oh, I believe. But that is not what the scripture is talking about when it's saying believe. It's an action word that it's supported by your belief is confirmed by what you do.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. No, I think that's a mental, ex- uh, uh, how do you say, it's, ascent. It's, it's
5: more than a mental ascent. Yeah,
1: and I've also heard that mental gymnastics, you know, that means nothing without doing it.
2: Yes. Well, see, in, you got 13 up there, but uh, in Torah it goes a little further. It says, who were begotten, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of Yahweh. And the world became flesh and tabernacled among us. And you know the rest. You already said the rest. Mm -hmm. So that's where it comes from. Right there, pow.
1: Yes, we see this. Thank you. We see this. Um, One of the things John is talking about, it is ultimately manifesting. Okay? He's talking about something that is real, not up just in the mind. He's talking about something real and concrete here. So the author, John, also notes that the word in the world, okay, prior to Yeshua, prior to the Messiah, he was in the world and the world came to be through him. So I, I guess is an easy way. John's saying this word was even before I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm just telling you the world that actually was in the world before. Okay, so what's that, that really is different, maybe based in some certain theologies, so in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, we went through this in the beginning, okay, this is what John, so John is saying the, um, in the beginning, and eventually became flesh, and dwelled among us, so the word of God was before, so where do we see that? Is there scripture that we can look at? So, what I'm saying is, because here, because the flesh dwelt among us in Messiah, that's what John's talking about. But this word became flesh and dwelt among us. I'll go back to the one thing I said, okay, this word, what word? And we really looked at the word word, right? And we saw Devarim, which means words, all these words, all these commandments. So all those commandments always was, okay? But, and manifested before, but then is going to manifest again. And I'll I'll show you why I believe what John's trying to say, that This was before. This isn't nothing new again. This happened to ancient Israel as well, just as much as what we're going to see unveiled here. Yes, sister.
3: How will you explain to someone that, you know, he kept saying the word saying there is one God. Mm -hmm. So I am at work, I'm speaking to a Jew and he was kind of mocking Christianity. Because God is one, so i don't know how to explain well enough what is one the holy Spirit, one uh, Jesus and one God, and yeah, God the Son, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit um, how do you explain
1: I'll let maybe Paul might have a a, a quick answer on that, but it, that can get maybe even more depth and there might be simpler things to go to first before that. Uh,
5: I would probably ask that person to explain how the word Elohim is plural and how the word Adonai is plural and what does that mean?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, because ultimately, too, we're talking about God, right? We're talking about um, someone who is unique to anything else, (laughs) You you know? So, the only way I think is the best way to really get at it, and th- th- maybe in some ways in the mocking of God or whatever, they maybe n- at the end of the day really don't have any interest.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> to, oh, to someone. The, yeah, this I, isn't a specific person?
3: It, yeah, but I also want to understand it well so I can explain it because people mm. ask me that and I, yeah. it seems like my answer is not.
1: Efficient. Yeah. I well, I mean, there's going to be aspects okay. of him. There's a part of him that is, I mean, we can't put him in a box. Okay. But yet we can, I think the best thing is we can see the evidence of everything that he showed, how he revealed himself, his very words, how they work in our lives, you know.
3: No, I mean, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When mm-hmm. he keeps saying in the word that that is one. I, you explained
5: to me that Elohim and, uh, is one and. Well. Also, the word echad means to be one or in agreement with uh, and in harmony. And,
1: and, oh, maybe I would put it this way how I would um, sometimes look at it. You know, we have a creator and he wants to communicate to us. So, the best way that we, he's, to me, that I see he communicates, he knows that everyone has a father. So he communicates, is he a father? Yes. He communicates as hey, uh, a son should behave. You know, so he's using these types of um, ideas that are present here that are understood how those things operate for him to explain himself. That's, you know, we got, okay, maybe Kathy and then, whoa, Shanti over here.
6: I hope Ashanti is going to say something about this, but I agree with our sister there because when David was like two, I was carrying him around and showing him our family portraits and stuff. And then we sat down on the recliner and he was on my lap and he was like, so how did Grandpa Joe die? That's my dad. And I said, he died of a heart attack and he's in heaven and whatever I was telling him at the time. And... He, I'm like, he's with God now, and he's like, well, what's God? Like, who's God? And I go, God's everywhere. And I go, he's even up here. He's all around us. And his face, he just got real, like, scared, and he was like, and he just kept, like, looking around. And I didn't know what to say to him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's hard to explain, like, at that time, but now I'm learning more of how to Describe God to somebody and it it is kind of like tricky how to Explain it to someone because at the time I didn't even know what to Tell them But now I know (laughs) yeah,
1: no I, I Guess it's in some ways this this whole concept where maybe the And instead of trying to answer like who he is and this, and define him in some kind of box in that manner, I think the best way is, is let him reveal these things to us. If the word was in the beginning and the word is Elohim and if the commandments are Elohim, to be quite honest with you, that should be enough. We're wanting to search and create him into something else. And he's, he's simply saying these words are a manifestation It's no different than if Elohim is spirit, that you cannot see him, all right? But yet, we can see him through each other. And how we see him through each other is that character. And again, that character. How do you see character? Well, you only see what's on the inside, but what's on the outside, you know? So, to me, it's... uh, Sometimes we... And it's probably coming from our... Uh, Greek mindset my Roman Greek mindset some we kind of want to form it all in so we can stand upon it view down upon him and then I'll explain and I will explain God to you when I'm up there over top of them and what we have done is we have flipped ourselves in that mist and we're not happy with is guess what you're created and there's plenty that I know I don't know but it's very clear how he manifests himself, you know, through the commandments, have given these commandments, and that way we can see them. And it keeps us where we need to be. Yes, sister?
7: Um, in all situations, right, let the word interpret the word. Correct. So, with scriptures. So, one of the words I'm going to share is um, in Proverbs 30, the words of Agar, and he says... Um, I neither learn wisdom nor have the knowledge of the Holy One, who had ascended up into heaven or descended, who had gathered the winds in his fists, who had bound the waters in a garment, who had established all lands of the earth. What is his name and what is his son's name? If thou canest tell, so that's Proverbs thirty, right? Mm-hmm. Verses four and then five and six says this: Every word of God is pure. And he is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. And thou not unto his words lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. So a lot of times we do not have the same discernment as God, and we try to put him in a box. Okay, so um, his ways are not our ways, and neither are his thoughts our thoughts. So you can share this scripture, and then maybe you guys can talk about it. Another verse is Deuteronomy 18, when it talks about um, Yeshua coming and being the word. And then Yeshua is the word himself. And we forget that. So the word that Yah spoke is Yahusha, but the word became flesh. Okay? And because, and also say, well, if he gave us a get or a bill of divorce, then how is it that he can remarry us? as his bride, as Israel. Well, the only reason is because Yeshua died and then he became renewed or a new man to restore us back to the kingdom. So those are ways or things I would kind of explain that to him. So as a savior, he, his word was given as a means of instruction for salvation in a system that is broken. And because every covenant is formed by blood, how are we going to be in covenant if no blood was shed?
1: Awesome, thank you, sister. Let me—I'll um, get you, Joe—and then I want to get back on track here into the who else? Board, okay.
2: Yeah, you were talking about beginnings. I was thinking of John three sixteen for God so loved the world that He gave. It's only begotten Son. Mm -hmm. And the the beginning was even before there was anything. That's when uh, God in heaven kicked out because he said, let us make man in our image. So that's the beginning was the dawn of pre-redemption.
1: Yes, thank you, Joe. And then we have Ward, and then I want to get back into the text here.
8: There is a book called Two Powers in Heaven. It was written by uh, a rabbi, and he went through the history of of the Hebrews up through 70 A.D. So he shows that the Hebrews up until that time believed that there were at least two powers in heaven who were the one true God. After 70 A.D. with the advent of the, the church, because of the competition, they decided that that was a heresy. But this explains how in the early church, so many Jews and Hebrews could become Christians without feeling that they were going against the Shema, that there was only one God, because they did believe that there was at least two powers. And he goes through this whole history of how this how this was throughout the, through the Hebrew history and how it changed after 70 AD, which is pretty interesting, but how that knowledge was lost among the Jews. And he wrote this book to bring it back, to remind the Jews... You know, you did believe this, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, through most of your history.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Thank you, Ward. So, what we have here, uh, where did I leave off? Uh, the uh, How John is saying here that this word, okay, existed in the beginning and eventually became flesh and dwelt among us, okay? So... What I want to do, do we have any evidence in the text of the word of Elohim came to the world prior to Yahshua? Does that make sense? Do we have evidence that the manifestation of the word of God came to ancient Israel? Where John is just saying, he was in the world before, guys, and now he's coming and dwelling in flesh now he revealed himself before in this manner well we do so who received this word according to the scriptures then any guesses on who specifically I'm talking about and it's related to Shema and that might give it away Moses. what's that Moses, Moses, but there's someone else, but uh, as far as this idea of the word, I'm focused right on the word itself, but no, you're you're correct in that sense, I'm making connection as far as with John, how he's talking about the word, you know, we saw it with Moses, and that's even a deeper thing there, but uh, this is a simplest, uh, for me, it's a simple way uh, of seeing it. It was Samuel. Samuel specifically. For instance, after three times, the divine one calls to Samuel. Remember? Eli, uh, the high priest, was there. That was the Almighty called you. He called him three times. And then the text goes on to say, the word of Yahuwah appeared. Manifested to Samuel. And then they knew Samuel was a prophet because it was on a continual basis in those days. Because prior to those days, no one was listening. No one was listening. No one really got to know their creator in some ways. Not that there wasn't, but in general but yet we have Samuel based in the idea of hearing and doing. And when Samuel heard and did, then he had the power and the authority not only become a prophet, become one of the very um, awesome prophets that are in the history, let alone to have the word would visit him all the, and spoke with him. So you can see, in some sense, John is not bringing up anything foreign that would not be understood prior. The only difference, maybe John is trying to think, or trying to bring forth here, that that very word is now in the flesh. And there's no indication that maybe it wasn't in the flesh back then either, but there's this specific thing where he's pointing out here, it was the same word that appeared to Samuel, if you let me kind of go with this. It was the same word that appeared to ancient Israel that is coming and is what John's about to say is appearing now, and he dwelt with us. Okay, maybe not just with Samuel a little bit, but he's came and he's dwelling with all of us, and that's even bigger. Polly. Is it Polly or Peribeth?
4: It's me, The thing that's interesting about that story that I always find is that Eli immediately knows what to tell him. He immediately tells him, go back, and, and the next this, time you hear this, say, here, Lord, here, here am I. He didn't even question that the Lord could be talking to him. He immediately gives him instruction as what to do. When you hear that again, this is what you're going to do. The other thing interesting that you bring up is, how did they know that was the word of God? What identified what they saw that they knew? Oh, that's the word of God being manifested in front of me. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. There are things that they, they already knew and recognized.
1: And it's uh, Thank you, Polly. And it said that Samuel, none of his words fell flat to the ground. Meaning everything that Samuel said, because he had authority, because he obeyed, came to be. And that's why they knew. That's why they knew there was a God, however he might be described, because the obedience of the people, maybe this is the answer, because of the obedience of the people, they saw the power and the authority, because there could be no other nation who follows who's so great and wise with the Devarim, with the word of Elohim, with these words, with these commandments. And that's what what the father told Moses. When you do these, the other nations say, and why are they going to say that? Because they they all believe in one single God. Everything that they do, prophets, everything that they do comes to pass. Maybe we all got it wrong then. Maybe the nations, if we did it the right way, maybe all the nations say, I think let's research our, our religion a little bit because it seems like nothing that they do Is a waste. Nothing that they do fails. There's got to be something that they're doing. So you only have one, two, two choices. And that goes back to how this all began. Either you're gonna hate them and die, or you're gonna join them and live. That's the options that we have here. Did we have another hand up? No? So, uh, oh, we got uh, Mark.
0: So it does say in 1 Samuel 3.21, it says, And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, because the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. So he revealed himself to him by the word. So that word
1: that was in the beginning, thank you, Mark, who is Elohim, who revealed himself before in the same manner is now revealing himself again and is going to pitch his tent, is going to dwell among his... Think about that. Think of what it says right here. The word of God uh, became flesh and pitched his tent among us. That should bring up some imagery. If we're thinking Jewish, thinking Hebrew, what imagery should that bring to our minds? Where was Samuel? He was in the house of the Almighty, the tabernacle, the house of the Almighty, right? So, the last big event happened was with this whole tabernacle coming out of Egypt. There's only really one story, so to speak, in Scripture, and it's the Exodus story. Because Messiah is all based in the Exodus story. Because the prophets go back over and over and over again. Because in the Exodus story, let's say the father refreshed their memory on his commandments, on what he asked of his people, showed that I'm going to redeem you with the firstborn. We see all that picture. So whatever Messiah is or however you want to look at him, you have to look at him through the lens of the last and only story that you really have that let's say is big on depicting who he is. So, again, that brings me back to this whole concept. He pitched his tent among us. That was the tent of the Almighty. That's where this word came. And ultimately, we see where Yeshua ends up. So, we see this relationship that's going to be here. And that should come to your mind first with this verbiage and the word pitched his tent. Tabernacled is another word that can be used there very, very easily. Tabernacled among us. Dwelt among us. Just like in the Exodus story, he brought them out redemption. Had them make a house so he could what? Dwell among his people. It's so, isn't that so strange? Right now, we, I'm looking at John in the eyes of... He's telling the Exodus story in another format. That is so awesome, and that's how we need to think, because it's all coming from that perspective and that viewpoint. I'll get you, Joe, and then we'll uh, maybe a couple more comments, and then we can close. Okay?
2: How did Paul know that it was God's voice and the burning bush? You know, it's just he sees a burning bush and he hears a word. And he Paul said, Who who are you, oh, Lord? Moses. Moses Mo- Moses. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, how did Moses know that it was God's voice?
1: Um I all we have is the evidence of what happened there. This bush did not burn, right? And he exactly Jerry says, and he told him who he was. And it was enough that he went and did. And it was enough that it was so real that he sat there and actually kind of argued with this bush. <laughs> All right?
6: Yes, sister. Okay, and they say his esteem is esteem as of and only true four of a father complican, a favor, and two. Esteem in a plural meaning is a, a glay of light or a flame he is the fire between us because that is his true word when he's coming it's like the it's like the fire moses in the mountain is the yeshua when he be in the flesh he is the fire between us
0: mm,
1: awesome thank you sister and then we have Mark on the back. So think about what John's saying here. You know, the word of Elohim was in the beginning. This happened before. And he dwelt among us, pitched his tent among us. Maybe another would say the Almighty had us build a tent for him to dwell in. But now this time, it's maybe the same format, but a little bit different. Maybe the whole tent is now coming. we got two all right, yes, Kathy, Real and then quick, Mark, and then we'll close.
6: Um, the first thing I thought of when it said pitched his tent among us way when you first started, I may be way off, but it reminded me of Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. No, that's I a mean, relationship that that's like going on there, Because,
1: yes. uh, Kathy, uh, Sukkot uh tabernacles it was to I, I i don't think I'm far off saying that was meant so we remembered what the exodus story how the almighty came and dwelt among us so you can see so much well, maybe i'll put it this way you can see so so has jesus written all over it
0: okay uh mark so the 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 greek word for tabernacle or um pitched and uh, some text it says dwelt, it is eskenosen, and when you take it back from the Greek to the Hebrew in the Tanakh, it is the word used when it's uh, the the English word tabernacle. Tabernacle. So when they when they built the tabernacle for him to dwell in, it's the same Greek word.
1: So the Mishkan he, he, So the Mishkan came and dwelt with us instead of we building the Mishkan and trying to dwell with him it didn't work well it was a maybe a foreshadowing how he wants us to actually have him come and be in us so you can see all of a sudden all these pictures that are here let me close in prayer and we'll get right back to this whole idea we're going to start at uh, verse 14 and take it further into the text as it goes so keep this in your mind and the word became flesh and pitched his tent and tabernacled his tent his dwelling place among us. Remember, he created man in his own image. Um, and, he, we, and we saw the glory, we saw the esteem of the only brought forth of the Father, complete in favor and truth. We're going to look at those words that are being used, let alone now we see this idea, like I mentioned, we see a fathership coming in the play here, okay? A father and son. So we see an imagery of father and son. And remember, at this point, all we have is Genesis, Uh, Genesis up to this point. And remember I told you about the principle of the seed? Meaning, like kind produces like kind. The same, the seed from the father produces a son who will be like the father. So you see this principle right here. So we're talking about, obviously, a son who's coming to pitch his tent and is going to be in the same image of the eternal. All right. So let me close in prayer. Father Yahuwah, we give you great thanks. Father, we thank you for your awesome words and your faithfulness to us. Father um, Be with us today, help us through this week to grow closer to you, reveal to us more and more about you so we can be strengthened, so we can give good testimony, so we know the right words and the manner to whomever we may come in contact, how to answer and have a ready answer why we have the faith and the trust in the things that we do. We thank you, Father Yahuwah, for all you do. Amen. Shalom online. Thank you for your time today. And we'll be, right, we'll be back next week. So please, come and join us then. Shabbat Shalom.